0: Jeff Klubeck, welcome to the conversation today. Uh, thanks for having me. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Southern California. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to have a fun conversation around how to gain respect, appreciation, and support from your team. Uh, and in fact, just this morning, I published an article about the difference between influence and manipulation. Uh, I think it's a, a good connection point to what we're going to be discussing today. Influence is really important. And I think that's all about really what we're going to be talking about. Um, But sometimes there can be a fine line between influence and manipulation. So let's do it in a positive way through respect, appreciation, um, generating buy-in and support from your team. And that's what we're going to unpack and explore together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Jeff's bio with everybody. Jeffrey Klubeck is an upbeat and charismatic coach and consultant. He focuses on how to make businesses and entrepreneurs thrive not losing a sense of what makes a company outstanding. It's leadership. Jeff is a successful author that has worked with small and big businesses, and he's a professor at San Diego State University. Jeff, anything else you would like to share with me or my audience by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in?
1: No, I don't don't take myself too seriously. Everything you said is fine. I I would only like to include that uh, I'm happily married to Marianne and we've got three amazing kids, source of uh, pride and joy for us. When people ask me, Jeff, what do you do for a living? I say, I wake up every day and I figure out how to deserve my wife and kids. And next thing I know, I'm out of bed helping people somehow, some way. So you can sprinkle a little family love in there then that's fine for me. But all the professional and academic accolades, those are stacking up nicely as well. But um, I'm really focused on family and relationships. So I think you nailed it.
0: Wonderful. And I agree. I think that's the most important thing. So wonderful. Thank you for couching it that way. All right, let's go ahead and dive on in. Um, Let's start by maybe defining some terms. So, you know, this idea of respect, appreciation, support, those are, everyone knows those words, but like, how do you see those terms in relation to the relational element, how you interact with those around you?
1: Yeah, it's going to be a fun conversation because a lot of times, especially the way that you introduced it, right? As a leader wanting those things from their team, right? And so mm-hmm. the, what I'm hearing, the frame that I'll just lead with is, what about uh, us providing those things for ourselves? Yeah, right? mm-hmm. Where, how do we look within for the respect, for appreciation, for support? Uh, so if this conversation goes in the direction that I'm I'm, I'm hoping it will, I love the, the concept of um, structural integrity or integrity mm-hmm. as a whole, right? That's one of the books that I wrote. The integrity game which we may end up talking about but when you think about jonathan when you think about a building a bridge or a tunnel it, we know it will crumble under pressure tests right without structural integrity yeah okay so it makes sense to foundation well built well maintained and retrofit from time to time so what i'd like to lead with is that as leaders if we are not retrofitting ourselves with our self-respect, self-appreciation, and our own resources for support, then we're building a mansion on top of quicksand, demanding it from others before we've done the job of looking within. So I don't know if I'm defining respect, appreciation, or support, but I am giving you a frame or a lens through which I see those terms, especially in the context of leadership.
0: Yeah, well, and I think what you just said actually goes really well with how I open things up in relation to that article that I had just published this morning. Um, Because one of the big differences between, you know, positive ethical influence versus exploitation and manipulation, it can be a fine line. And sometimes it's in the eye of the beholder. Right. But um, one of, one of the big differences is really how you come to and be with people in your relationships. Right. So what's the foundation that you're built upon Uh, and if if I haven't built, you know, d- developed those muscles uh, and and created a foundation of self respect, appreciation, and kind of ethical influence in in the way that I'm approaching how I interact with others, it's going to come off as disingenuous. It's it, you're not going to be genuine. You're not going to be real with people. They're going to know it, and it's going to come off as exploitative. It's going to come off as manipulative. And that's not what anyone wants. And I don't I don't think any leader wants people to feel that way. Yet it often comes across that way. Uh, and, and a lot of times it's just because you haven't done the self-work first to make sure you have a solid foundation.
1: Yeah. And, and if you haven't, then you can't be transparent. Yeah. Right. You know, I would like to be cellophane, right? You can see right through me, right? But if I haven't done the work, and I don't want you to see right through me because you'll see that I'm incomplete somehow, some way. And then all of my influence becomes packaged in manipulation as an overcompensation. I think that's what you're sharing. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I'm a big fan of looking within, making it easy and fun to look within, you know, of all these great words that you've thrown out, I'm going to see if I can throw one onto the table and, you know, it, it, I'm volunteering the word integrity, right? Mm-hmm. So I talk about structural integrity, but just integrity on its own, same thing. Integrity is a word like, um, what are some of the fun ones like parenting or mm-hmm. driving where people believe themselves to be perfect, but it's just everybody else sucks Didn't mm-hmm. that, funny? Mm-hmm. right? So when it comes to accountability, uh, it's really easy for us to see places and people in the world. Well, there's no accountability. Where's the accountability? Where's this person's accountability or integrity? Where's the integrity? There's no integrity in the world. Where's that person's? Oh, you're out of integrity. You're out of integrity. You didn't do it. And, and that not that so much easier than looking within and retrofitting ourselves, right? So the integrity game, I hope that we get a chance to talk about it a little bit, is a 10-point model that I developed. You know, I, I published the book, uh, mm-hmm. the integrity game last year. It's, it's 10 points. They end up being question sets, right? And the the simplicity of it is, here's 10 sets of questions, answer them. But it's as easy to understand as it is hard to play because we're talking about questions of purpose. Like, what's mm-hmm. meaning of What's meaning of your life? Right? What are your gifts and competitive advantages? All right, what about potential, which breaks down to vision, mission, objectives? So there's a lot of leaders that have been advanced or promoted or politicized their way into the leadership position without retrofitting themselves. And now they're building their leadership mansion on top of a bunch of quicksand. They can't be transparent because they haven't done the work. They haven't answered these questions for themselves. They don't have at core, their own self-respect intact, their own self-appreciation intact, and they haven't retrofit themselves with their own support systems, but they're expecting and demanding that in anywhere from influential to manipulative ways from Mm -hmm. their team, right? Yeah. Then when you talk about engagement, engagement to me, I mean, I'm throwing a lot on the table here and you can pick up on whatever you want to, but for me, there's two things I concentrate on when I want to secure engagement, whether that's somebody hiring me as a coach which is enrollment where they enroll and pay money out of their budget or out of their pocket to talk to me once a week or once every other week or what have you, that's enrolling in a coaching program or engaging in my, my students. For example, here at San Diego state, you know, this is a professor yourself. How's the attention span been in the last six or seven years? <laughs> how, uh, how is student engagement post COVID? You know, right now I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in a room with five students right now on the last day of the semester. And I know that three or four years ago, they were waking up and, opening up their laptops, attending class before they would eat or brush their teeth. And now we got to like wake them up and re-engage them out of those, that zombie environment, et cetera. So the two things that I focus on when trying to secure engagement is number one, I want to take the time to really get to know who I'm dealing with. And number two, I need to know what they want. Mm-hmm. So it's easy for me as a leader, say, I want respect. I want appreciation. I want support from my team, but I don't get to demand any of those things unless I'm on record. Investing the time to find out who my direct reports are and what do they want, right? I told my students in class, I'm not going to stand up here and convince you that speech 103 should be the most important thing in your life this is just one out of several things, especially if you're not going to be a comm major, you guys, got Other, this is just something on your list. So I'm not going to fool myself into thinking that you want this any more than you do. So being real with them helps them, uh, I think, feel less intimidated or, or more understood. Um, I, so, so when it comes to engagement, do I know you and do I know what you want? And unless yeah. I can share those things and be on record as pursuing those things and investing time, energy, resources in learning who you are and what you want, then I'm not in a position to demand respect, appreciation or support from anybody that I haven't taken the time to do you know, that type of investment with.
0: Yeah, th- that's super interesting. Uh, let's Let's double click on that for a minute. So the demanding of commitment, loyalty, the the demanding of trust and support by virtue of nothing other than you happen to be in the position of authority over other people. While I 100% agree with you that that's not going to work, it's not going to be effective. We both know we see it all the time. We see leaders who try that and they think they have the right to demand that. Um, and then they're shocked when they don't just automatically receive it or when people push back on them either in overt ways or in like subtle passive aggressive ways. Um, and the reality is all of this is relational uh, leadership is relational. And so if you want to be an effective leader and, and wield influence in a positive way, it only happens when you build it upon relationships and trust, and you can't build things off of relationships and trust, unless you're genuine with people. And unless you first have, uh, you first don't just take it for granted. Like you have to earn the trust from those around you um, by the way you interact with them. And so many leaders in, they just wrongly think because of their position, because they have, you know, the, the, the position power um, that they deserve it. And it's, I I mean, deserves not even the right word probably, but it's just, it's about really earning something because people see you as someone who is invested in them, someone who's going to help them, and that's what leadership is. Leadership is investing in your people to empower your people to maximize the potential of your people. That only that only happens as you invest in them. And if we're not doing that, then it it is that house built upon the sand. Uh, and I've seen leaders who have been really adept at like formal position, right? They they've been really adept at politically moving up and using people around them to kind of bolster themselves up. (laughs) It's frustrating. It's, it's, it's really hard when you see that happen and you, and you know that they're not people that have integrity and you know that they're just kind of climbing on the backs of and exploiting other people to get to where they're at, but they're really adept at it and they move their way up. My position is that eventually it catches up to them. Um, Sometimes it takes a while, but eventually it will catch up to them and they built this house of cards that will crumble uh once you know key key individuals who may have been pr- protecting them from the 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 consequences of their ma- manipulation it comes you know those go away and then it comes back to roost uh i've seen it many many times where leaders think they're immune um to the consequences and eventually it will catch up to them so it's much better to just take the time build the genuine relationships build the foundation uh, and your reputation will precede you. You will be seen as a person of integrity, uh, and people will want to work with you because they know you are someone who's real. Uh, not that you're perfect, but that you're someone who's trying and someone who's going to support them, and they'll be more willing to support you.
1: Well, there's there's a lot there to feed back to. Um, first of all, I appreciate the double click. I must have said something that that hit a nerve, but we, I mean, categorically, right? Your leadership by, let's just break it down categorically transactional versus transformational. So, transactional leadership is sticks, carrots, punishment, reward. Right. And in yeah. and, and, and a transactional leader is using the transaction of being given a raise, a promotion, a title, the transaction of a performance review, a consequence, a, the transaction of a meeting of a of a of a piece of poop running, rolling downhill or a hot potato being passed or a buck being stopped or whatever it is. Right. So that's mm-hmm. all transactional stuff. Right. Leadership based on coercion or misinformation or politics or intimidation or Consequent, you know, all of that versus what is much harder and far, far more rare is the transformational leadership, which is just in one, I'll say leading with love. Now, by the word love, I mean the willingness to be vulnerable, according to the uh, definition that's offered to us by M. Scott Peck in The Road Less Traveled. Right. Mm-hmm. Great, great classic book, 1977. I think it came out. He did other variations of, you know, further along the road that's traveled and the road that's traveled and beyond and some other stuff. M. Scott Peck, I don't know if you're familiar, but he mm-hmm. described love as the willingness to be vulnerable for either our own or our beloved's growth. And he says spiritual growth, but I'm going to go ahead and expand to personal, professional, or spiritual growth. Yeah, But it's the willingness to be vulnerable. And that's what I think is missing in leadership you talk about vulnerable transparent you don't have to be perfect like you said but that's what vulnerability is is leading yeah. it transparent about the imperfections etc so if anything's out of integrity it invites everything else to be out of integrity so sometimes it's not the leader's fault right let's throw a different you know uh, variable into the equation what about the individual producer that was great at producing individually and now um, there's a a supervisory position open and the HR person with the hiring manager and their keystone copying and they're dusting off some old position description that hasn't been updated or made relevant to the current circumstance. They haven't put the thought into why is this position open? What happened to the last person that held this position cost per hire recruiting method? It's well, who produces the most widgets, Joe. All right, we'll give Joe the job. So now Joe is a great widget producer Now has no leadership training no management training, no soft skill development, no be a likable boss, no supervise the supervisor, no train the trainer, no manage the manager, right? It's just it, it, so somebody did a shortcut, transactional shortcut to getting the position filled, which transactionally gets some breath off of your neck. But if you don't take the time and invest in a strategic staffing process, Right? With good interview questions, competency and behavioral based interview questions, right? A real understanding of why this requisition is open. Uh, do the duties, are, are they commensurate with the real position? Do we have them operationalized? Are the qualifications that we're looking for really consistent with those duties? Are we interviewing appropriately to screen for the qualifications to do the duties, et cetera, uh, on behavioral and competency, right? Does the person want the position? Have we asked them? if they're going to command their, you know, Hey, I got done producing the most widgets for th- three years in a row. And now they want to make me supervisor. Well, that sucks, Joe, because this, are you still going to go bowling with us? <laughs> right. All the people that he was on the team with now he, they all report to him one week later. And, but he was bowling with them, sharing his life secrets with them a week ago. And now he's got to all of a sudden be a source of accountability and integrity and leadership and management and, Professional growth in their lives, and he hasn't been given the training that he needs or she needs to be a supervisor, to manage others, totally different skill set than an individual contributor. Yeah. yeah. And so we talk about these leaders that aren't willing to do this, or that, or the other, you know, I blame the institutions that are not investing in their leaders, giving them the soft skill training that they need, giving them the one on one executive coaching and career coaching that they need, getting them, you know, getting specialists on site so it's not just want, 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 wah, but new and fresh voices that could really, you know, puncture the the uh, veiled listening that that takes place in so many corporate situations I can go on but I I, just to summarize I love the difference between transactional and transformational leadership I think transactional it's all dark side and like you said they're going to find out somehow the house of cards is going to fall apart at some point same thing but I see it a different way it's not like it'll catch up to them at some point these leaders I have a lot of empathy for these leaders that just they're not bad people they just aren't given the resources that they need to be better people, right? And so instead of saying, hey, you bad leader, that you're using coercion and intimidation and manipulation and dishonesty to get your direct reports to do what you want them to, (laughs) I don't say it, it will catch up to them sometime. What I would like to say instead is they will never catch up to that ship once it sails. So once they demand respect from somebody when they haven't looked within, once they transactionally lead when they haven't been invested in transformationally, once this ship sets sail, a leader that hasn't been given leadership skills, that hasn't been given the soft skills of leadership. They haven't been taught how to conduct a performance review, how to resolve conflict, how to manage change, how to coach and mentor instead of just manage to the number. They haven't been taught these things and they're expected to lead and then there's a lot of us out here on this side of the desk that are blaming these bad leaders. Well, I have a lot more, you know, compassion for them. Right. Cause I know what they're, what's missing and they want to do a great job. All of them. Right.
0: But, yeah. So what, that's it's really I look, interesting. I so, look at it like
1: a shell game. Like, you know, like, like, like once you've told this lie, now you got to tell another lie to cover up that lie, and another lie to cover up this lie. And, and so in other words, not, it'll catch up to you somewhere. You bad leader. It's like, Hey, You've been put in a leadership situation without all of the resources that you need to be transparent and honest. So once you tell your first out of integrity, now you're playing a shell game of out of integrity, and Mm -hmm. you'll never catch up to integrity once you're out.
0: Yeah, to your to your point, the the
1: different. We're saying the same thing. I'm just coming from a different perspective,
0: right? Absolutely. And to your to your point, um, leaders who don't have much background in leadership or training um, or haven't developed those skills, they don't know any different. So they they the only way they know how to lead is by looking around and seeing what they've seen other people do. Hey, do that, and that's leadership. Hey, right? exactly, exactly. And so, w- when people revert to manipulative tactics or co- coercive tactics or or dishonesty or gaslighting or any of these things, um, a lot of times it's it's simply because they don't know any different. They don't know how to do it any in any other way. Now, right. I, I will you know say there are I I have known people that are just. Not good people. They're narcissists. They're, they're it's all about themselves. But those are rare. You know, Th- those are rare. Most leaders wake up in the morning wanting to do the best they can, wanting to do right by their people, wanting to help their people succeed and the organization succeed. Most people don't wake up with nefarious intentions, thinking, ha ha ha, how am I going to take advantage of everyone today, right? And so, it's not even people... the narcissists, not, not, not even the
1: narcissists. You know, like I'm gonna, I don't mean to interrupt, but I want to throw a loop in here, and even if we just put a pin in it and come back to sure. it later, like you sure. thought. But I can make an argument that a narcissist has more integrity than anyone, but I'll come back. I'll we'll put a pin in that and come back to it if we have to, but what would, you know, not, not to finish your, your, your train of thought sure, there. Sure.
0: Yeah. So, ab- so absolutely organizations need to, and absolutely need to be doing better on how they're supporting people. Yeah. Just, just a couple of weeks ago, I was having a, a conversation. Um, you know, there, there's this executive person I was working with. They're struggling. I mean, they're, they're really, like you said, they were a great individual contributor um, this is their first kind of senior executive role, and they're not performing well and they're really struggling they just don 't know how to interact with and lead people and build um build coalition and and collaboration and they just don 't know how to do any of that uh and and they're still trying to be an individual contributor and it just doesn't work when you're at that level and now you have all these people reporting to you. Um, and, and I had an opportunity to talk to their boss, the, 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 the person up the line from them that they report to and to share some of, like you said, the empathy I have for this, for this leader who is trying and just doesn't know, like they, they just don't know what they don't know. And they don't know how to do it differently. And I was trying to convince this person that they report to, like, they need more institutional support. They need, you know, this individual, he, uh, happened to be a man. And he he was, you know, fairly oblivious and didn't understand, you know, the support that this person needed. And so I, I was coaching that person as much as I was coaching the leader who is struggling to say, hey, you need to be helping them. You need to be supporting them. They need resources. They need um, help and support. And until that can happen, you're going to see the same thing uh, occur again and again. Uh, because that person may not end up succeeding. So they end up leaving the position. Either they choose to leave or they get replaced. Guess what? The next person who's in that role more often than not is also not going to have a lot of, um, you know, leadership development uh, that has happened. And so they're going to struggle in similar ways unless they get the support that they need.
1: In short, anything out of integrity invites everything else to be out Mm -hmm. of integrity. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, so that, that's just a quick way of saying what you're saying there. Like, I come back to the concept of integrity, selfishly, shamelessly self promoting my book, The Integrity Game, um, mm-hmm. in, in this 10 point model. So so back to this, this, this teaser about a narcissist, right? You say there's not that many of them, but there are just some, quote unquote, bad people. Right. And so this is where I want to come in and see if we can remove the judgment, see if we can make it objective rather than subjective. What would happen, Jonathan, in any of these organizations, for any of these leaders, right, if accountability was non threatening? Hmm. What would happen if accountability was non-threatening? What a huge brand promise to suggest the integrity game is trying to make it easy and fun to look within, and the integrity game is trying to make it not make accountability non-threatening. But my point is the the problem is when I and I've done this, I've tested this you know, uh, in front of many, 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 many audiences, hundreds, thousands of people. And I, public speaking, when I'm doing a keynote on the integrity game, not to ruin it for anybody that's considering having me as the keynote speaker on the integrity game, but I will preview this one little fun thing that I do. By show of hands, very early in the talk, how many of you believe you have integrity? And so, Jonathan, I'm going to ask you, what percentage of the room raises their hand? Like everybody. (laughs) <laughs> 100. Yeah. And then I get to make, you know, keep your hand up and repeat after me. I, I do do solemnly swear not to shoot the messenger in 40 minutes. And by the time the keynote's over, I'm going to ask again, how many of you, maybe you won't raise your hand, maybe you won't raise it as quickly. So let's make sure we're talking about the same thing back to definitions that you asked me for earlier, respect, appreciation, support, engagement, influence, manipulations. Let's talk about what is integrity. Because everybody thinks they know what it is. Right, and when that's the first thing that I want to break down, most people give me two answers to the to the, the question, and you just you nod when you, these sound familiar to you. But are you with me now in the room? You imagine 100 entrepreneurs, and I'm asking. Right? or a conference with 220 political act, politically active hoteliers that are getting ready to legally storm the Capitol to fight for hotelier-friendly legislation or whatever conference or event I'm speaking at. But anyway, how many of you believe you have integrity? And they all raise their hand. I'm like, hang on, don't shoot the messenger. But I want good ratings. I want to be invited back next year. So I don't want to offend anybody. What are we talking about? What is it? So now I get to slow down and hold the audience in my hands and get a definition for integrity. So one answer that I always get, Jonathan, is be your word. Do what you say you're going to do. So you're nodding, right? So yeah, that's, and then when somebody else on the other side of the room nods, I'm like, oh, did he take your answer? Oh, and they took mine. It is very funny. But all right, so we pin that on the board. We like that, right? Be your word. Do what you say you're going to do. A lot of people would agree. Oh, yeah, do you do what you say you're going to do. Anybody else have a definition of integrity? And then somebody else at some point going to say, do the same thing you would do when nobody's watching that you would do when somebody's watching. So anyway. And people start nodding. I'm like, okay, we all agree with that one too. That sounds good. And we got these two on the board. Be your word and do the same thing regardless of who's watching. Any others? And then it's every now and then, maybe, right? It's as rare as a narcissist. I might get a narcissistic answer, somebody that's not happy with those two and needs to have the best answer. And, and then I I'll, I'll kindly let them know that they're really just restating one of these two things. And they go, like, oh, yeah, I guess so. Anyway, point is, both of those are judgment-based. This is The the vibration beneath those answers, you didn't do what you said you were going to do. You didn't do the right thing. So before I get to that, what I like about the two answers is integration, right? When we be our word, when we do what we say we're going to do, we're integrating our word with our behavior. There's a coming together of two things. In this case, it's word with behavior. When we do the right thing, regardless of who's watching, we're integrating behavior with a value or a moral or an ethic. So in both cases, there's a coming together of two or more things. Word with behavior over here and behavior with values over here. Mm -hmm. So that's not good or bad or right or wrong. It's just together or it isn't. Mm -hmm. Sense integrate. Now it's embarrassing that despite the fact that they start with the same six letters, nobody I've ever asked for a definition of integrity uses the word integration in their answer. The answer is always, you didn't be your word because they're pissed off at all the people in their life that haven't been their word with them, right? And they're like, do the right thing regardless of who's watching because they're pissed off at all the people in their life that haven't done the right thing consistently. Who are we really pissed at? Ourselves. Because we know we're always guilty of what we accuse another of. So most people are walking around spring-loaded like a mousetrap, ready to accuse everybody else of being out of integrity, but they're not looking within for when their word hasn't been together with their behavior and when their behavior hasn't been together with their morals or values or when they've equivocated on that. Right. So the idea is those are the two reasons that I like the other the other. Actually, the second reason I like the the two answers is that behavior is the evidence, isn't it? Behavior shows up in both equations. Be your word, integrating behavior with word and then do the right thing, regardless of who's watching behavior with values, morals or ethics. So behavior is the evidence of our integrity. Jonathan, but these poor leaders in these organizations are running around saying, Well, I didn't mean to. Well, I was just trying to. Well, I was gonna. Well, I only wanted to. Well, I was just so people judge themselves by intent, while the rest of the world, subordinates, superiors, and subordinates alike, for different reasons with different lenses, are judging the behavior. Behavior is the evidence of our integrity. Not our intentions, not what I was going to, not my explanations and excuses and so forth. So I like the answers, but here's what I don't like. Jonathan, if I said I was going to drink 20 beers before our podcast interview today, and then I drank 20 beers before the podcast interview today, I will have done what I said I was going to do, right? But we know I can't claim integrity. Unless, right, there's always a smart aleck. Unless you're trying to demonstrate your goal for the podcast, it's to demonstrate your functional alcoholism, then maybe (laughs) I have, (laughs) thank you for laughing, but we know that I can't claim integrity. If I said I was going to lay on the bed for 20 out of every 24 hours, and then I did, I will have done what I said I was going to do, but I can't claim integrity. Why? Because there's other things I'm not integrating with. So word with behavior is good, but it's not enough. Right. Then on the other side, I don't know how you feel about Elf on a Shelf, but it's a relevant example now because we're in the holidays. (laughs) Right. But how many of my students are in the classroom by show of hands, you guys, how many of you agree you should never lie ever by show of hands? You should never tell a lie. They're like totally not raising their hand because they all know they lied to me once at least this semester. My point is most people would say you should be honest at all times. Right. Unless it's December and you got to hide an elf on a shelf every day and lie to your kids about don't touch the elf or else you won't get presents and all the lies that parents tell their kids to course their behavior. It's, we're talking about influence versus manipulation. So, so isn't it right or wrong a moving target? I mean, 30% of the country can't agree on who the president is. Like, what's right or wrong? And who decides? What reality are we dealing with? Right? So a superior uh, of a leader Right, a leader's superior is going to be looking at them through totally different lenses about right and wrong, good and bad, clean and dirty, civil or savage than the direct report. Direct report is you know, different standards. So how does that leader right? So so when we talk about integrity, most people have a judgment-based understanding of what integrity is. And back to the beginning of our conversation, I work with leaders to answer 10 questions for themselves, to have answers. To these 10 question sets that retrofit. I think there's 10 things we need to bring together in order to claim greater integrity. And that's what my book is about. It's a parable that introduces the yeah. 10 point bottle in an easy to digest story. Right. Because these concepts are pretty difficult because we're asking people to look within, which is the
0: last place they want to look. Right. Yeah. Well, Jeff, well said. That's a great teaser for your book. I know at the time I need to let you go here in just a minute, but before we wrap things up, for today I just wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you find out more about your work where they can find your book and then give us the final word on the topic for today.
1: Yeah, well first of all uh, the Integrity Game book amazon.com it's available it went to I'm proud it went to number 1 when we released it in one of its categories so it's there it's very affordable but if anybody wants to send me an email I'll be happy to give a free PDF copy to any of anybody in your audience I've got the you know the PDF and so just send an email to uh, info@ at getaclue.net, I-N-F-O at getaclue.net. And I'll be happy to give a free PDF copy to any of your listeners if they just reference your show in the subject line. Uh, and then, in terms of getting a hold of me overall, I'm um, easy. You know, a, a quick Google search, you'll find me. I love being contacted via LinkedIn, but I'm still I'm old school. I'm Gen X, so we got into Facebook, and we haven't gotten off of it yet. In my generation, so I still respond to all my direct messaging on LinkedIn or um, Facebook, and uh, you know, a little bit of Instagram. I don't I'm, I have an Instagram account, but I'm not on it as frequently as LinkedIn. Uh, So I'm very easy to find. I answer all of my own messaging. I'm very, very easy to find.
0: So um, it'd be great to hear from any of your audience. Wonderful. Jeff, thank you so much. It's just been a pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Jeff can do for you. Check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. You can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.